I'm Jasmine Moradi, and you're listening to the Queens of Tech podcast, a podcast series about raising the voice of workplace champions. 60 plus questions in around 30 minutes with women, non-binary and transgender influencers about their journey into STEM, science, technology, engineering and mathematics. I started the Queens of Tech podcast initiative in May 2022 because I would like to retain more women, non-binary and transgenders in the tech industry. Talent is out there, but our work environment needs to improve for all to feel safer, stay authentic, and to be valued for our contributions. My vision is to raise the workplace ecosystem for all in the tech industry by killing the imposter syndrome, stopping bad behavior, and increasing equity opportunities. Each podcast talk is built around 60-plus questions regarding upbringing, education, career path, DEIB, and future advice. My mission is to bridge the gap between schools and workplaces by getting to the heart of my guest's personal life and career journey to inspire other girls, women, non-binary, and transgenders to unleash their full potential to reach top leadership roles in the tech industry. My goal is to raise the voice of tech champions around the world and together with companies, investors, and politicians, raise the challenges and opportunities around equity, inclusive diversity, and belonging in our workplaces. Enough is enough. I would like to enforce companies to build a sustainable, inclusive culture, to retain diverse talent, so we keep the workplace power equity to continue building future diverse and inclusive products. Your voice matters. In this episode, I'm very excited to welcome my guests, Tech Queen Hege Marie Brown, co-founder and CPO at HealthBee. Hey, Hege. Hello. I'm very happy to have you joining us from Norway today. How are you? I'm quite excited to be here, actually. Yeah, let's roll. So am I. So let us dive into your journey into STEM. Hope you're ready for the Queens of Tech 60 plus questions. Let's warm up with a few fun facts about you. How would you describe your personality in three hashtags? I would say curious, authentic, and compassionate. How would you describe your life in three sentences? I think I would tell a little fairy tale. So once upon a time, there was a young princess who lived in a beautiful castle and had everything her heart could desire. Then a terrible monster came and took everything from her family and she was put away in a dark tower all along for many years until a handsome prince came and saved her. The prince opened up a new world to her and everything she had once known suddenly seemed small and limited. So she left the prince behind and set out on a great adventure to discover her own kingdom. What kind of music stimulates and motivates you the most? The 80s. So this week I'm listening to Billy Ocean a lot, which actually is really suitable for this podcast because Caribbean Queen has been playing on it all week long. So my neighbors probably hate me, but. What is your personal motto? I would rather regret something I did than regret something I didn't do. What is your favorite book? That would have to be Siddhartha by Hanuman Hesse. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Yeah, there's something about that character that just feels strangely familiar to me. What is your favorite podcast? Obviously, I should say it's so tech, but it's Work Life by Adam Grant. Mac or PC? I am, and I will always be a gamer, so that's going to be PC. Say something interesting about you that most people don't know. 
There is hardly anything about me that people don't know. I'm pretty much an open book. The few things that are secret are better off remaining a secret. What is your hidden talent? Well, for a total nerd, I'm actually pretty good at sports. So all sports. If you were going to write a book about your life, what would a title be? Bad is the new good. Embracing the art of pain. Amazing, Hege. Now, let us dig deeper. Our childhood has an effect on our adulthood. Our early experiences shape our belief about ourselves, others, and the world. Now, I want to discover your childhood. Where did you grow up? I was born in Oslo, in Norway. I grew up in the suburbs by the ocean. So we spent a lot of time on the ocean, in the ocean. So I guess you could say I grew up in the ocean. <laughs> what was your dream job as a child? I wanted to be a professional skier, then I wanted to be a lawyer, and then I ended up becoming a designer. So I guess, you know, that speaks volumes about my personality. What was your favorite subject in school? Natural sciences, geology for some reason, and physics, quantum, nuclear physics, again, nerd. What was your least favorite subject? German, not so much because of the subject, because of the teachers. What is your earliest memory of technology and the arrival of the internet? I can't really remember one specific moment of discovering technology. My father designed exhibitions for a living, so he would travel all over the world and, you know, bring home the news technology for my as a baby. So it was just part of life. I do remember the arrival of internet, though. Specifically, I was running around collecting URLs. <laughs> I liked a little dictionary of URLs to look up and to address. Could even imagine. <laughs> Which were the three first technology gadgets you owned? The first one was a bright yellow Sony Walkman, and then I had an IBM Compact computer and an Atari console. Who was your female role model growing up and why? You know what? I can't actually think of anyone. There were many female was inspiring to me, but not like one in particular. It was more like individual traits. How do you think where you grew up and the school you went to and the generation you come from influenced your career and education choice? I don't think any of those really influenced my choices. It was more my relationship with my grandfather that actually shaped my path going forward. Very interesting. Now, I'm going to read two quotes. First one, how does the universe expect me to choose a career path at 16? I can't even choose what I want for dinner. Second, Abraham Lincoln said, I quote, the best way to predict your future is to create it. So again, I want to know the choices behind your career path. Where and what did you study at university? I did not go to university. And this brings me back to my grandfather because my grandparents died in a fire last year of high school and it hit me really hard. And so I was in a really dark place. I dropped out of school. And then I had like this really powerful dream where my grandfather came to me and said, you should not go to law school. You need to do something creative. You need to create something. And that actually is how I ended up doing what I do. Very impressive. And thank you for sharing that. What professional roles have you had before that led you to the current one? I was a journalist. was my first job at 16. I was a journalist at a local newspaper. That took me into being a chief editor of another local newspaper. I've done pretty much anything you can imagine within design, so graphic design, visual design, branding and identity. I did even window design and car design, things like that, or like advertising design. I did illustration, artwork, even in a systems developer. I guess range is another one of those hashtags that I mentioned. And then you started your own company. So what does Healthbee do? 
Well, Health B is a health tech startup. We are trying to bridge the gap between the patients and the healthcare industry and to make the communication smoother for both the industry and for the patients. What is your title and what is your main responsibilities? So I'm part-time CEO for a startup company. I am also a UX consultant for the Norwegian Broadcasting Corporation, NRK. What does a typical workday look like for you? It depends uh, a lot on what I'm working on. So sometimes I'm wandering in the hallways in the newsroom at NRK, observing how people work with TV production. Other days I'm on teams doing interviews with three and a half thousand employees scattered across the country. And then some days I'm deep into analysis and design and being completely isolated in front of the computer. I love to quote, choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. So again, what do you love about your role? I don't think there's anything specific about this role, but if you look at the field or the job on a greater perspective, it is a variation. You get to see so many different industries, like anything from TV, theater production, academia, government services, tent system, aerospace, video games, you name it. You learn a lot about a lot of different industries. What is the best experience you've had in your role so far? Any examples? At the health tech company, as a CPO there, I think the best experience was when we won the Health Entrepreneur of the Year Award last year. That was a big deal. Congratulations. Thank you. And what is the biggest challenge you've encountered so far and how did you tackle it? As a startup company, investment is the biggest challenge and we haven't quite tackled that yet. So that's a work in progress. As a UX consultant, on the other hand, the biggest challenge there is complexity. We are working on a lot of internal production system and it's big and complex. I do think though that having a background within systems engineering is really helpful and building good information architectures helps break down also complexity in design. What do you wish everybody understood about your roles? Well, I think a lot of people sometimes, if they don't know me, see me as a little bit of a negative party pooper, breaking down, being just difficult. I'm not a difficult person. It is my job to pick things apart. And I wish people understood that it's nothing personal. And what is the common myth about your professional field that you want to disapprove? Because I'm doing different things here, design and product, I would say the biggest misunderstanding is that design is something you slap on at the end. It is not just pretty colors and pictures. It actually goes far into your product and business strategy and it needs to be aligned all the way. What do you love about working in the tech industry? Variation, endless opportunities for learning things, constantly changing. Uh, you always have to be ready to pick up new skills, new tools, and you have to stay sharp at all times. Oprah Winfrey said, I quote, think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is not a stepping stone to greatness. So again, what had by far been your biggest achievement in your career? Easy. That was 2010 when I landed a job at Funcom, Norway's biggest and only game studio at the time. Landing a job into the gaming industry is a little bit like making it as a rock star. There are thousands and thousands of people waiting to take that job from you. And what is the biggest factor that has helped you become successful in your success habits? I don't actually have any healthy habits whatsoever. I can barely manage to remember brushing my teeth. I am resilient, though. I don't give up, even though sometimes I just want to quit and move to Kenya and go coffee beans or something instead. How do you measure your own performance at work? 
I think it is more a sensation than a hard measure. I can feel it when I had a great day. And yeah, I don't actually know how to measure that. With success come failures. So what is your biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from it? The biggest failure was a project that took on to build a booking system for a company that was renting apartment. I didn't have the tech skill, so I took on a project manager role and I hired people to help me out and they pretty much screwed me. And so I ended up with a crappy product. What I learned from that is you should have some basic understanding when you're hiring other people to do stuff for you. That's why I ended up actually getting into programming myself. You could say I learned programming from it. That's amazing. And what is inspiring and motivating you the most in your role and career right now? I think at this point, I don't have so many career motivations. It's more like I really do want to make impact. I want to make products that change the world for the better or that help people or help people grow in their own career. So being more like a mentor, that's where I find the most joy today. Let us not jump into the influence of mentors, role models, champions, and sponsors. Role models can consciously or subconsciously be a powerful force in our lives. In addition, champions can stand up and advocate for us and open up the world of possibilities. Sponsors match emerging talent with leaders and influential employees who can help us move ahead in our careers. Hey, do you have a mentor, champion, or a sponsor today? I don't. I wish I did. I always wanted one. It's hard though, and it gets harder the older you get to find someone. I do have ever worked with coaches quite a bit, which serves a little bit of the same purpose, except you have to pay for it. Who is the female non-binary or transgender role model you look up to in your field? I think this whole role model thing is a little bit difficult for me. I don't focus on the person so much as I focus on certain skills. So I might admire a skill or a trait, but not the person. History shows that it has been more common for men having mentors, champions, and sponsoring business than women. So I get, how important do you think is to have a mentor, champion, and a sponsor during one's career? It's hard to say because I haven't had one myself. I do believe, though, when I mentor other young designers, that it makes a big difference for them to have someone they can come to for these difficult questions. Let us move on to leadership. Adina Friedman, president and CEO of Nasdaq, said, I quote, Empowering those around you to be heard and valued makes a difference between a leader who simply instructs and one who inspires. And then Shirley Samber, ex-CEO of Facebook, said, I quote, Leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure that the impact lasts in your absence. So again, what does leadership mean to you? I think being a mother really sums it up. It's about being a safe harbor to nourish people, encourage growth while removing all obstacles that prevents that growth. What do you consider a good versus a bad leader? A good leader leads with love and a bad leader leads with fear. Who is your favorite female non-binary or transgender tech leader and why? There is a lady called Monica Beata Twet. She's the CTO at one of the biggest consultancies here in Norway. She's pretty bad as it's hard to imagine that she does what she does when you look at her because she's, you know, like perfect makeup, pencil skirts. And I love that she tears down all of your prejudices. Yeah, that's pretty cool. How would you describe yourself as a leader? I am compassionate and I think that everybody deserves a chance. I'm a bit introverted. I don't interfere much unless I'm asked specifically. I have a lot of trust and faith in people and I also expect them to voice their concerns and not wait for me to discover it on my own. And as a leader, what values are most important to you? 
I think the most important thing is really being secure in yourself and who you are. And if you're not, at least try and look at other people's perspective in front of your own so that you don't react from a place of personal fear, insecurities, etc. It's not easy, but I think it's the most important thing. What leadership lessons have you learned that have formed you into the leader you are today? Becoming a mother is the most transforming experience. I think any mother would tell you the same thing, the ultimate leadership role. What are your three strengths and three weaknesses? I am a strong systems thinker. I can see and switch quickly between many different perspectives. And I trust my own decisions completely. Uh, weaknesses, I want too many things too fast. I get impatient. I sometimes interrupt people a little bit too much and I can become a little bit emotionally invested from time to time. Let us now jump into the hottest topic in business today, workplace culture, unlocking the power of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Again, what does DEIB mean to you personally? As every other woman who is past 40, we have obviously experienced a little bit of discrimination, well, for simply being a woman. The question like, are you going to have kids soon in an interview is classic or getting laid off because you got yourself pregnant. I've experienced those and my boots grabbed. But I think what I'm really passionate about is neurodiversity. I'm also autistic and I don't think neurodiversity is getting nearly enough attention yet. What do you consider being three to five signs of good company culture if you were to join a company? Autonomy, freedom, trust, tolerance, and willingness to be pragmatic and solve problems instead of sticking to the rules just for the sake of. You did mention a little bit about the pregnancy, but as a woman, what has been the most significant barrier in your career and how have you overcome these challenges? I think it's also difficult to know what are missed opportunities because of my gender and what's because of my personality type. I still had a, a really great career though. So I think it's easier now. You automatically get a little bit more respect when you get older. I don't think that it's actually been that big of a barrier to me personally. I just move on when I don't get the opportunity I'm looking for. Why do you think it is important for more women, non-binary and transgenders to join the tech industry today? You know, I don't think it's that important. I mean, is it really? All the time, I prefer male leaders myself, you know, if I'm being completely honest. I don't think you should have a lot of female leaders just for the sake of it. It's about having the opportunity if you want to, not forcing it. Do you and how do you speak with your colleagues about the EIB challenges, for example, salary gaps and promotions? I don't. I wish we would talk more about that. Uh, we talk about it a lot, like in global forums, but not so much within the company. People are a little bit scared of doing that, which is unfortunate. There are many public and internal discussions about the barriers women, non-binary and transgenders face from reaching higher position in the tech industry. How do you feel it has affected and is affecting you? And what is your advice on how to best unblock these roadblocks? I have experienced this. I think I said this before too, that I don't know what is because I'm a woman and because of my personality. I think a lot of the time it's more about personality traits, like pretty sure that a, a confident and assertive woman would get the opportunities before a timid and demure man. So it's more about your willingness to sort of grab the opportunity, I think. And of course, that is aligned with gender a lot of the time, but it's not necessarily a one-to-one -one relation there. Today, tech companies spend a lot of marketing money to attract women, non-binary and transgenders. However, at the same time, they're finding it hard to retain them. Articles show that women are leaving the tech industry. What is your best advice on strategies for how companies can work to build a stronger corporate culture? 
that engages gender diversity and equity? I don't know. I also think that maybe we just have to accept that women are genetically programmed to have different interests and that people like you and I are a little bit of an anomaly and that's okay. So I don't think we need to force it as long as there are opportunities for people like us who really want to get into it. And so that's not something I think a lot about. Why and how do you think companies would benefit from having not just women, non-binary and transgender leaders, but actually higher gender representation at sea level and boardrooms with mandate? I honestly don't know. I think we should lean on actual research data to answer this instead of my personal opinion. How much do you think the tech industry has changed regarding this subject since you joined? Well, for the question about neurodiversity, not at all, unfortunately. Looking back on your career, what one thing would you have changed in your working environment to break the bias? I think this bias was not just broken, but shattered in the gaming industry by being predominantly male and with all the dirt in the corners regarding sexual harassment. Coming to the gaming industry was coming home to me. I don't think you can actually break the bias because somebody neurotypical will never really understand what it means to have Asperger's or to have autism. And no matter how many episodes of Good Doctor you watch on Netflix, you're not going to understand it. And if you try too much to understand, you're just going to stress that person out even more. So I think the best approach is to just accept that there will be some level of discomfort for anyone who have or is a minority or has some kind of neurodiverse challenges. The bigger problem, as I see it, is that we are making pain and discomfort the enemy when in reality it is a friend, it is how we grow. And so we shouldn't be so afraid of that discomfort. You don't have to solve all the problems for me. Looking forward, what will you do as a leader to improve the bias for the next generation of women, non-binary and transgenders in tech? Honestly, and this is probably a very unpopular reply, I will do nothing. What I will do, however, is offer my advice, help and support to individuals who need it. So I will not do anything specifically to change anything, but make sure that everybody is given opportunities individually. Let us move on to another hot topic in business today, which is work-life balance and mental health. Hege, you have, without a doubt, a busy lifestyle. How do you take care of yourself to maintain good mental health? I don't push it. So when my body tells me I'm done, I'm done. Have you ever experienced burnout? Yes. Uh, a couple. I had a big one just recently. I'm actually kind of slowly making my way out of it as we speak. I try to just let myself be. If I need to cry for a day, I will do that without any judgment or shame. Then I try to take as much weight off my shoulders as possible and let everybody know that I need some space and time to recover. Thank you for sharing that. What is your advice on how companies can create a more mentally healthy workplace in the new now? I don't think I have any quick advice on this. I do, however, recommend the certification program from Berkeley. It's called Happiness at Work, which will go into greater detail about that. What motivates you every day to get out of bed? Honestly, I think the only thing that actually motivates me to get out of bed is when I have a plane ticket to go somewhere exotic. The rest of the time, it is pure responsibility. Now, let us wrap up with a few words of wisdom and a piece of advice for our listeners. Hege, what is the best piece of advice you've been given that has helped you during setbacks in your role and career? I think I must be very intimidating because people don't actually give me much advice. 
And then what is the worst advice you've ever been given and how did you tackle that? I ignore bad advice completely. So if I ever got any, I have forgotten a long time ago. Is there something you wish you would have known or a skill you wish you had when starting out in the tech industry? I wish I'd known that nobody really have the perfect answer. Some people are better bullshitter than others. At the end of the day, though, there are too many variables to offer one absolute truth. So my truth isn't necessarily less worth than yours. If you had the ability to go back in time to when you were just at the beginning of your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? Trust yourself. I don't think it would have made any difference, but that would be the thing that a lot of the things that I believed in turns out to be true after all, despite all the people who made me doubt it. What advice would you give to young girls, women, non-binary and transgender women who want and trying to break into STEM fields today, especially wanted to become next generation leaders? My advice would be to give me a call and we'll talk about your personal dreams, your personal con concerns and challenges, because I don't think I can really give generic advice like that. Last but not least, what is next for you in your role and career in tech? What are your career aspirations? I really want to create something from scratch on my own that I'm really passionate about, that I can make positive change for a lot of people and build that into something that can sustain me as well. That's so impressive. I can't wait to follow that journey. Thank you, Egil, so much for being a guest on the Queens of Tech podcast. Sharing your journey would, without a doubt, inspire change and reshape company culture for the next generation of women, non-binary and transgender leaders in tech. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have worked in the tech industry a minimum three years and would like to share your journey, please nominate yourself or somebody you know to i at jasminemoradi.com. For more podcast episodes and to learn more about the Queens of Tech initiative and to support us, visit Queens of